Esty decides, after having discovered that werewolves may be involved in the goings-on of Seattle and maybe the next victims of Avalon Interactive, that it's time to pull in some other contacts who could help her connect with the shifter populations of Seattle. So she has gone to Around the Block to meet her contact, Effie Sims, a mannequin of questionable reputation. No one really knows what Effie does when she disappears, but when she's around, everyone seems to know her. So now we will see what will become of this pursuit. Oh, Esty! Oh, it's fantastic to see you. Oh, it's been too long. What are you doing up there in that lab of yours? Come come over here. Come over here. There hasn't been a customer in days. Oh, it is so good. You will be such a fantastic distraction. How are things going? As good as always, Effie, as good as always. <laughs> How are you doing today? Well, you know, keeping busy. Always keeping busy. Not with customers, of course. Things have been quiet recently. I don't know. The city seems anxious. But I have friends to keep busy. So what brings you into the store? Why, why are you suddenly gracing my doorway? Well, I wanted to talk to you a little bit. You're right that the city seems anxious. And uh, I was wondering if you had any idea what might be going on. Well, I don't get out much you know i spend almost all of my time here i'm just a quaint shop owner but i've heard things people come in they like to talk you know we have conversations for hours and you're hardly the only one but uh yeah i've heard about people disappearing it has everyone in a tizzy i'm hoping it's nothing serious you know your kind my kind we lose ourselves occasionally it happens so i i'm Hoping it's nothing. You you never know for sure, though. Why, have you heard something? A little bit. Can't say much yet, but uh, there seems to be something going on, and we need to recruit a few friends. To that point, I was wondering if you knew anything about the, the shifters, the werewolves in the south side of the city? werewolves oh well what you didn't believe my old stories <laughs> i'm friends with everyone around this town it's not often that i want to sit down and have tea with a werewolf they are troublesome company but sometimes you get bored i i can believe it do you happen to have a contact down there by any chance we're looking for somebody to get in touch with to see if they uh, have any more information about the disappearances. Why would the werewolves, the Garu, if you're going to meet them, you should know their name. Why would they know anything about the disappearances? You can keep a secret, right, Effie? Would I gossip? I'm serious about this. Really? Well, you and I have never had a serious conversation before, so that's uh, that's different. Serious conversations with me are, well, that might just change our friendship a little bit. Are you sure that's something you want to do? What do you want? I want to know 
that you are comfortable with the nature of our friendship changing. Changing how? So I'm always friendly with you. I'm always friendly with pretty much everyone who comes through my door. But there are a different sort that I deal with. And I tend to keep that different sort, those with whom I have serious conversations, separate from my friends. Professional relationships, you might call them. Letting the two mix is complicated. It's hard to keep things lighthearted, to unwind with someone who really understands what it is you do. And I'm not saying that we wouldn't stay friends, but there's a lot more to what I do with my life than you know about. So, are you comfortable with our relationship changing a bit? I think I can handle that. All right, then. Let's have a serious conversation. Why do you need to contact the Garu? We think that they're going to be the next to be disappeared. Really? That is daring. I must say, I don't know who has been attacking our kind, but as far as I've been able to tell, it's not too serious, a little unusual, but I've been able to hunt down all the people I cared about. Seemed like they'd be back soon enough, maybe a little worse for the wear, but that's life. The Garu, that's bold. They don't just fold up like we do. So then, are you interested in helping the werewolves? Do you just want to let them know because it serves your purposes? I need to know the pretense you'll be approaching them under. You understand. We are hoping to gain their assistance in fighting what we believe is the source of the disappearances. And I assume you will show up and make a case that they are the next to be targeted. That it's in their best interest to help you. That would be the plan. So there's something you need to know about the wolves. They love a fight. They sincerely love a fight. And the wolves around here haven't had a good one in years. I have had dealings with their sept leader. And she's not so quick to fury. She's quite happy that things have remained calm for a while. But there are certainly, I guess we would call them subjects, or you might call them, well, what is that term you use? Crew members? Subordinates? Well, her subordinates, her crew members, some of them are direly itching for a fight. I don't know that you'll have a hard time convincing them to help, but you might have a hard time managing them if they agree. As long as you're ready for what that will mean and know that there may be repercussions, if not for you, then for others, I think I could help you start this conversation. I'll take it under advisement and bring it to my crew, but any help that you can provide would be very much appreciated. I would be happy to do this. 
And I'd be happy to do this because, well, if whatever this thing is, is bold enough to attack werewolves, then either A, they're stupid, and I don't want them pissing the werewolves off and having to deal with all that, or they're actually powerful enough to fight werewolves. And uh, I don't think I like the idea of that in my city. You understand. Same here. The only thing I ask in return is after I've brokered this deal, our relationship will be, as I said, a little bit different, that if I need to know something that is going on with the Countless, that you will share that information with me. And I I realize I can't ask you to divulge everything. Certain things will be held in confidence. But if I need to have a serious conversation, and assuming that you are not bound to secrets, that we will share more than simple rumors moving forward. I believe I can do that. All right, then. Assuming your crew is amenable, meet me here. It's better to approach the wolves during the day. They're titchy at night, you understand. Certain things move in the nighttime that they would rather not deal with. So meet me here tomorrow morning, and uh, we will go out, and I will introduce you to some shifters. Sounds delightful. Oh, I'm sure it will be a fascinating time. Welcome back to Walking Away from Arcadia. We are here for our fifth adventure of Hunter's Augment. Our intrepid crew, having discovered and confirmed that the forces that have been stalking and spiriting away changelings and countless alike are looking for more hearty targets, targets perhaps that are among the werewolf community. And they've decided that it's time to take a stand and do something about that. The day has passed, and they have all had time to rest, and we gather with them now at their UFO, where they've come back together to make a final decision about what their next steps are. But first, we're going to meet our crew. Hi, I'm Natali Geraney, and I will be playing Neodymium, the most socially adept individual you've ever seen use a Bioware interface. Hi, I'm Erica, and I am playing Casey, who is a forgotten explorer, man-bat person. Hi, I'm Josh Heath. I am playing Conrad Brand, a void engineer who is very confused about what is going on and very nervous right now. I'm Simon. I'm playing Mark, a grumpy old bear, and probably 70% of the reason that Conrad is confused. 
Hi, I'm Angel. I am playing Esty, who has probably just gotten her crew in a whole lot of trouble. <laughs> and now we gather our crew with the adventure ongoing to find out just what sort of trouble Esty has gotten them into. You are gathered in your UFO with coffee, danishes, and whatever other coping mechanisms you need right at hand. And Esty is going to share some information about the goings-on of the previous evening. So, I have a friend who knows a little bit about the uh, werewolves. We're going to go meet her this morning, and she's going to introduce us to them. I recall that going very badly the last time people like us tried that. She has assured me that they will hopefully be amenable to discussing with us. I am not detecting a great level of confidence in this interaction. Is that why the bad debriefing coffee and danishes are out? <laughs> the These are the bad debriefing coffee and danishes. Yes, they are. I I definitely added sugar and milk and liquor to mine, and it still tastes bad. As your character is saying that, you're watching Neodymium put sugar and pour cream on top of a Danish. Yeah, yeah, that's why those are here. She assures me that they're ready for a fight. Well, that'll go great for those phone people. Werewolves are always ready for fights. They are literally dog garbage disposal people. Casey pauses from a moment of shoving cranberry muffins into their mouth at an alarming rate and speaks around still a half mouthful. Do do we know more about the person we're meeting? Like the guru? Only that they're in charge and would be willing to talk to us. Izzy stares at Mark. Is in charge a good thing? Well, I only read the reports from the diplomatic mission. Was this the report that ended with, ah, dot, dot, dot? I think there was an exclamation point at the end of the ellipsis. Ah, yes. Report number 17-B. It's a short read, but it's informative. So, Esty, is your friend terrifying? I feel like we would benefit from your friend being terrifying. (laughs) She scares me a little. Would they scare Corinthian over here? Gestures broadly at Conrad. I'm already terrified of this entire plan. Yes, but you're terrified by things that don't make sense. Conrad, there is a whisper in the back of your mind, that whisper that you know is both great and gets you into terrible trouble, and it just says, wait, what would terrify a werewolf? What what could possibly terrify a werewolf? And what sort of commission would we get if we properly categorized it? Hmm. Now that's something to consider, and Conrad says that out loud to absolutely no one but himself. Oh no, the abduction's starting to wear off. 
He's hit the PBS stage. We're going to have to reinitiate. Oh, uh, uh, the idea was just the sense of it would be good to to categorize these things and understand them. And I am not 100% sure what will terrify them, but I am definitely looking forward to learning what might do such a thing. In the interest of either marching towards our inevitable gruesome demise at the hands of teen heartthrob monsters from the early 2000s, I vote that we engage in diplomatic actions with this slightly less terrifying yet equally intimidating individual. Yes, let's go meet your terrifying contact, Esty. As the crew has come together around the inevitability of this exchange, Esty takes them out, and they all go down and traverse the city. Would you be traveling via public transit, or would you likely be driving? I have a car, so I would likely be driving. It should there are five of you. You could make that work. Yeah. Or Dova Bear. <laughs> Dova Bear takes the bus normally. Esty will gather her crew. She drives them across town until they make it all the way up onto Capitol Hill to a little thrift store called Around the Block. It's nestled in, kind of hidden. It's down a a side street. And it really actually sort of looks like people don't come here very often, and that's almost by design. The sign is not prominent. It's slunk away almost a little bit like your UFO. It's there, it's open, but it's really designed to go unseen. So Esty goes and opens the door. When you go in, you're immediately hit by the smell of dust and old books and old fabric and furniture. It's a menagerie of things, odds and ends. You think you see out of the corner of your eye some movement, but whenever you turn to look, there's a a fluttering of clothing or some other collected item, and then nothing. Esty takes you all the way into the store, walks through a couple of the aisles until making it to the counter in the very center of the store, where there is what looks like a fairly lithe, somewhat older woman who is manning the register. Esty, you know this as uh, Effie Sims, your longtime friend and confidant. You're used to seeing her very gregariously dressed. She wears a lot of color, a lot of mismatched older things. She's always playing around with style, dressing herself up, dressing herself down. But today, she is dressed in a very simple turtleneck, pants, and everything is black. You have never seen her wear an item of black clothing before in her life, but everything on her is black. You are surprised to see this and a little taken aback by it, having never seen her like this before, but you were told things might be changing. How will you go about introducing your friend to your crew? Good morning, Effie. How are things today? Well, good morning, Esty. Things are well. I'm glad to see you uh, have brought your friends here. We have business to attend to, do we not? We do. Folks, I'd like you to meet Effie Sims. 
Effie, this is Mark, and I'll just gesture. Mark Conmador Conrad something. Conrad. <laughs> Neo and Casey. Why well, it is a pleasure to make your acquaintance. And she goes around and she seems affable but sort of subdued and she reaches out, she shakes all of your hands. She is exceedingly polite. When you take her hand, it feels firm, too firm to be real. There is definitely a holographic quality about her, but it reminds you more of Estes' holographic quality than the sort of dual bodies that the rest of you have. She shakes your hands and says, I'm so glad that we are going to be engaging in this business together. I think that it's really best for the city from what Esty has told me. So are you all prepared to go or do you have questions before we get on our way? I want to make sure everyone understands what we're walking into. I updated all of my legal paperwork before this. She just looks at you. She's very confused by that, but she doesn't say anything. Is there anything we should know about who we're meeting? Realizing that they're still double-fisting muffins, they offer one to Effie. Effie looks at the muffins and says, oh, well, that's very sweet of you to have brought refreshments. Uh, I'm quite full. I've already eaten. It would be good for you to know who you're going to be meeting. Her name is Imogen Jones. She leads Zagaru in this city. Runs the most powerful sept, they call them. I don't know all the details of their politics. I don't really keep track. I know too many things, too many people to know everything about all of them, certainly. But she's a level-headed wolf. Not uh, all members of her sept are level-headed wolves. Not all of them are wolves. If we're very, very lucky, we won't have to meet any of the more eccentric members of her immediate family. They can be trying. But we're in this for the long haul, and it is for the greater good. I have hope that Imogen will be amenable to your request. It's hard to say with the wolves, though. Have you told her why we're coming? Oh, no. No, no. I will broker introductions, but making the case is something you will have to do. If I were to tell her why I was bringing you, I suspect she would not agree to a meeting. She, in fact, does not know we are coming, which for a variety of reasons is better for all concerned. You're saying we're just going to show up at a murder machine's house or business unannounced, and that's going to be better? It's the way these things are done. What percentage of these devolve into the murder of the surprise party? None that I have been involved with. Follow-up question. How many of these have you set up? Oh, I've set up many meetings brokered across many of the creatures who live in this city. I am in a unique position because of that position. I can set these things up. No one level-headed who knows any better would pick a fight when I arrive. That's all you really need to know. If you really want to dig in further, you can attempt to ask around about me, but a girl has her secrets, and you'll have to pry them from someone else unfortunate enough to know the details. Conrad's going to just kind of lean in and go... I'm really curious about your holographic nature. And I know it might be a little forward of me to ask, but can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your type of being? 
And by the way, he thinks he's being smooth and diplomatic. Josh. I love the idea that you think you're being smooth and diplomatic. That's fantastic. Effie smiles very elegantly and says, well, Esty, you have not told them about me, have you? She looks back over at you, Conrad, and says, well, I would be happy to tell you all about my nature, but you understand information is a trade. So you would certainly be willing to tell me all about your nature in exchange, correct? You know, in this case, yes. I absolutely would be willing to have that conversation with you. Her eyes literally sparkle. There is no source of light, but her eyes sparkle and you suddenly realize they're very glassy and not entirely round. Like you look at her eyes and they aren't built quite right. A normal eye is round. This one's flat. Like if it were a circle, it would take up most of the inside of her head. It's curious to see. Says, well then, I will in good graces certainly be willing to tell you about myself. All of the changelings present, all of the countless, as it were, give me a dowsing roll. Difficulty seven. Oh, and uh, Neodiamium is furiously recording every second of this interaction. God, that's a lot of dice. (laughs) And Conrad, you can give me an awareness plus perception roll. The difficulty is going to be higher for you. The difficulty for you is going to be nine. I got a three. I got two. Two. Zero. Zero. (laughs) The dice, it's like the dice know you're a mage in a changeling game. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) I'm using my werewolf dice too, so, you know, it's all kinds of loops. So, for those of you who got two successes, everyone either got two or three successes. So, for those of you who got two successes, you feel a subtle breeze of magic escape on the words of Effie as she spoke to him. They specifically swirled around the comment about, well, I will happily tell you what I am. Certainly you will tell me about your nature. There was like a slow build of zero point energy. And then when Conrad said, you know, in this situation, I think I will, that zero point energy just kind of burst outward. Dova Bear and Neodymium, as you got three successes, you are able to tell that a contract was just made. Dova Bear, given your rank, you are not a leading member of the Symbiosis Collective, but as someone with rank, you've been involved in a couple negotiations. You've probably seen a contract made, and it's normally very formal. You've never seen a stealth contract before. That is a little bit surprising. Neodymium, I doubt you've ever actually seen an oath made with changelings. Contracts made with the Countless are much more technocratically enforced. It's the same principles apply. Yeah. There's there's a terms terms of of service service attached to that handshake. (laughs) Oh, look, it's being automatically downloaded, and my, my system is forcing me to go by the terms defined. Oh, that's easy. This is touch accept on the holographic projection if you accept the terms. (laughs) So because you mentioned terms, I will say you have seen a few very skilled contract workers within higher levels of countless society put together the sorts of terms that the user just 
accepts as they install their experience in digital subspace and tends not to notice. And this felt familiar. You've seen that dirty trick before and you're not going to fall for it. This felt similar, but not exactly the same. So to define the exact moment that Neodymium becomes aware of this, is he observing the, as the contract is forming and being aware of this, or as it has been completed? As it has been completed. Okay. That's, that's a significant like, detail on how his interaction is going to go. You realize what just happened immediately. You're not aware of it in time to stop it or intercede. Yeah, because otherwise, intercept time, hand slap. No, Corinthian, no. Do any of you want to do anything with this information or just allow the social exchange to progress? Estee's just going to cringe. <laughs> I made a note to have a conversation later. <laughs> Corinthian, are you aware of the terms of service you just agreed to? Um, yeah, I just, we're exchanging information about one another to build a relationship that will hopefully be beneficial to all of us in the future. Those terms are broad. You should narrow them significantly. Turned her attention directly to you. She raises one eyebrow and says, oh, come now. Surely this is just a friendly agreement. And after all, it's already been made. Friendly agreements don't require the exchange of legal blocks of text multiple pages long. There's no legal block of text. I don't know what you're referring to. We're merely going to share information about each other, quite honestly. While this exchange happens, Casey, like, tries to disappear behind Mark. Because <laughs> they're not entirely sure what is going on, but they don't, they don't feel so good about it anymore. <laughs> As Effie's attention has been drawn, I'm going to very carefully place a hand on Commodore's shoulder and say, we'll have a chat. Okay. I am sure that you wouldn't define it that way. Just like you redefined the word friendly, interaction, and truth. Have a nice day. In the manner in which I mean that. Yes, well, certainly. She turns back to you, Conrad, and says, your friends seem very touchy about our agreement, but it's between you and I. So let me be the first to share a bit of detail. And she goes around back behind the counter and she pulls out a doll. It is beautiful. It looks like it's carved from wood and delicately painted. You can all tell immediately she took it out of something underneath the cupboard and once it's actually removed from that thing, you all immediately feel the buzz of ZPE. The entire room sort of suddenly glows a little bit in ZPE as she pulls this thing up. And she sets it on the counter and looks at you, Conrad, and says, you wanted to know about my nature. This is my nature. This is what I am. I have told you a thing. Before the day is out, you will tell me a thing. But we have other business to attend to now, don't we? And then she'll put it back down. She pulls something open underneath the, the counter. And when she returns it and closes whatever that container is, you no longer feel the wash of ZPE. But now that you know that it's there, you can feel the hum. You can feel that you're close to something. And you realize it was there before, but you didn't know to look for it. 
Conrad, what is your immediate reaction to that going to be? Um, Obviously, the detail she shared was intentionally obtuse. Mm-hmm. Conrad wants to say something, but then when she kind of like pushes forward, he stops himself and for whatever reason is comfortable with this situation and thinking to himself, okay, if we're going to play the long game with this sort of like back and forth, then I'm willing to engage in this sort of weird play-by-play of conversation. And he just kind of nods when she says, we'll talk about this more later. And he's just kind of like, okay, happy to do so. After that exchange, she looks at all of you and says, we really should get going now, shouldn't we? The day is waning on, and I imagine you all have other things to do. Shall we head out and meet ourselves some wolves? As we must. All right. She will join you in the car, and she sits up front with Esty and gives you directions out of town. It's very clear that she's directing you to the area that you've seen on the maps in all of your previous investigation. That location, as it turns out, is immediately adjacent to Tiger Mountain State Forest. You're driving out there, and she's very chatty the entire way. But it doesn't really seem like she's digging for any more information. She's really just trying to pass the time at this point and being affable. You can tell it's all a bit contrived. You get out to the edge of the state forest. You realize that, you know, when you get out there and you've followed all the pathways, you've gone through some of the last neighborhoods of Seattle you actually have to pass to get out to the the entrance to the state forest, that all the activity that you had picked up previously was approaching the state forest, but none of it actually pushed through to be inside the state forest. So you're about to leave the area that you've seen all of the quantum signatures, the anomalies that you had tracked. You've gone right through all of that. Again, there weren't any actual encounters reported here. This was all in the analysis data that the Admiral did that you were actually able to get more information on when you were working with the radio tower and and all the various other places that you've done investigation. So she takes you out on the hiking trail. You park the car and she takes you out to start hiking. The Tiger Mountain State Forest has an impressive array of trails. She takes you down quite a few of the trails. You've probably been hiking for a good half hour when all of you sort of get a sense that things are shifting. Things aren't behaving exactly the way you'd expect. You take a few steps, you turn around, you're not where you remember being. As far as you can tell, you're completely and totally lost at this point. You hear the sound of birds, just an array of birds. You look up, they're filling the sky. They're coming, swooping down on top of you. It looks like there are hundreds of them, thousands of them. It's not one type of bird. They're not all corvids. It's an array of different birds. I'll actually give Mark and Casey a chance to roll Wits Plus Survival or Wits Plus Animal Can, if you have it, as you're both ancestors. Hey, those are the same number for me. 
I have two successes. I have two successes. So you both recognize immediately that the birds aren't quite flocking properly. Something's very strange about the way they're behaving. You don't actually think those are really birds. They're something else. I was going to say, Casey's original reaction would be like, this is weird and a little scary, but also the part that's a wildlife conservation major would be like, I kind of want to ID some of these guys because they're in an ornithology course right now and they're excited. Um, So are these (laughs) actual, like, identifiable species or like, no, that is a color mutation. That doesn't seem right. Like, what's going on here? Since you've got two successes, some of them are definitely identifiable. You'll recognize some of them. What's weird is it's clear that they are trying to emulate flocking, but you would never have birds of all these different species flocking together. There are cardinals, there are songbirds, there are doves, there are crows, there are ravens, and they're all mixed together. That doesn't make any sense. And they're letting out just a terrible, horrible din of noise but something just doesn't feel right about this at all. And some of them are impossible. You see bright red streaks down the back of ravens, bright blue plumage on a cardinal's breast, and other various things mixed in. It's very unusual. Gut reaction, what is everyone going to do when these birds are flocking down on you? Estee's going to duck and cover. Okay, you are able to find cover. It's... Uh, Long nature trail, you can find stones and other things, trees to hide behind. Cool. Anything low to the ground sounds great. (laughs) Conrad is going to dive, like, to the ground and, like, cover his head. Neodymium is going to look at the others ducking and covering their head and is going to remain standing and covering his head. I mean, so we were made aware that there are other changing creatures. We have come to speak to the wolves. I love that you say that. Dova Bear, what will you do as your immediate reaction? I move toward Casey in case Casey wants somewhere to hide, but I'm also kind of fascinated. Yeah, Casey's face is just kind of this... It can't decide if they're terrified or fascinated. They're it awestruck and scared at the same time. And they find cover in foliage but they don't really duck and they keep their eyes on them just to see what they're going to do like are they earnestly coming for us or are they just going to circle above and swoop and intimidate us is it territorial or is it an honest attack or is it a mating display right that's unsettling with the number of different birds that you have seen so the birds swoop down and when they actually make it to you they crash against the ground and they dissipate into feathers. They explode into a rays of color. They become just screeches flying through the air. Something different happens to almost every different bird. It's a complete cacophony. It's a little bit overwhelming, but also strangely, terrifyingly beautiful. As the whole thing is completing, you hear this sort of, high-pitched cackling laughter. You look over, there is a a very tall, slender man standing uh, surprisingly close to you. None of you had noticed him before. And he's leaning against one of the trees. He has 
dark black hair. It might be dyed, though. There are streaks of purple and blue and pink running through it as well. He has just the biggest grin on his face, and he says, well, that is the most interesting reaction that I've seen. It is lovely to meet all of you. It's lovely to meet someone who isn't so easily scared away. He looks down. Well, I suppose not all of you are. He looks over and his eyes land on Effie and he says, oh, well, Effie, isn't it lovely? You've come to visit us. This should be quite entertaining. Effie raises one eyebrow and she says, you are the most difficult little creature I have ever met. Everywhere else I go, I am given the respect I am due, but I come here and you try to push my buttons just hoping that your people will go to war. Yeah, well, you can't blame a boy for being bored. I mean, it would be entertaining if we went to war, wouldn't it? You're all a little taken aback. For Esty and Conrad especially, because you're the two sort of threw yourself to the ground, give me a quick wits plus etiquette roll. Got uh, three successes. Three successes and Esty? Fail. Fail. So, Esty, in your failure, you are livid right now. You are very angry <laughs> because you realize you've been completely and utterly embarrassed. And how dare he? And it's just, even if your more even keel sensibilities would tell you, no, no, don't, don't get flustered, you've gotten flustered. Conrad, you realize immediately that this whole move was probably meant to either A, scare you away, or if you weren't scared away, to put you completely off balance. You have the good sense not to let it do either, because you see the game that is being played. Dova Bear, do you make that comment about being disappointed that the birds are not forgotten? Is that in character? Yes. He's he's off balance enough to say that out loud. This grinning little punk, who looks like he can't be more than Oh, maybe 22 years old, but he could be a teenager. He looks over you and says, forgotten? What is that? What do you mean forgotten? They're birds. And he, he sort of walks over to you, and he just looks very interested. You, you might not be old enough to remember. You're making a joke about my age. You're implying that I'm inexperienced, that I don't know what I'm doing. You're probably right. I probably don't know what I'm doing. But I have a good time, so it's all right. He turns back over to Effie and says, so what are you doing here? Am I going to have to take you and announce you? Do I have to go through all the rituals? I don't want to go through all the rituals. And Effie just looks at him. She says absolutely nothing. We are here to have a indelicate conversation with the wolves. The wolves. You do not appear to be of the wolf people if your calling card is the birds well no a wolf can have other friends i mean i'm not a wolf don't get me wrong i would oh oh no 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 i mm, i have more refinement than that i have a better time than the wolves but wolves can have friends they're not limited to themselves we all have a collection of friends that we make and they're willing to help us out on occasion are they not clarification talkie friend I was implying and stating directly that you do not appear to be a wolf. Not that you do not have 
lycanthropic acquaintances, which could be considered your friends. Although, judging by the current behavior, I am unsure of what would define friendship with you. He looks over at Effie. This one's no fun at all. Thank you. Effie looks at him and says, we can play some other time, Jose. I'm here on business. And he gets very disappointed. And his tone slows down. He says, ah, fine, yes, you're here on business, I suppose. I'll go and introduce you. Oh, I'm so bored. Please tell me at least that you're here on complicated business. Yes. Maybe this will all be worthwhile. Do try to keep up. And he turns around and very quickly begins to contort and shake. There is a shimmering and a shifting of space. You feel the schism between here and subspace open and retract and give way as his body changes shape and he very quickly transforms into a very lithe relatively small coyote and starts running immediately north off the trail gonna follow as efficiently as a pasty office person who stays in a lab too much of the time can do that with cybernetic assistance. I created a contact card the second I got his name and his contact information is bored often easily. He is bored often and easily. I assume you will all run off after this incredibly obnoxiously brat. I'm going to follow our guide. She makes absolutely no attempt to keep up. She follows him. But she walks at a very, very even pace. And occasionally, he'll disappear off into the distance, and she just sits down. Whenever he disappears, she sits. Occasionally, you have to wait a few minutes, but he always sort of pads back out from wherever it is that he disappeared to, huffs a little bit, and then starts running off again. This gets dull after two or three times, and he eventually moves to just guiding you through at a pace that you can all follow. They're not a long-distance runner. No. And truth be told, this doesn't go on for that long. You're not going to be running across country. You are going off the trail by a fair bit. You eventually find yourself in a very dark and closed part of the forest. It's not dark because it's, you know, gotten late, but just the canopy is much more intertwined. And I will say for Mark and Casey, you feel like you're closer to your home right now. You feel a little bit like if you just reached out, you could find a breakthrough to your ancestral homelands. You start hearing strange sounds coming from the trees and all around you. And then you're eventually led to a small clearing where there's a little bit more space. There is a woman sitting there. She looks to be in her late 30s, maybe early 40s, and she's dressed very practically. But it's the sort of gear that you'd expect for someone who's hiking. She has a water bottle sitting next to her, and she's just sitting there up against one of the trees reading. The coyote comes trotting into this little clearing, walks up to her, and yips a few times. She looks down at him, and then she looks over at all of you, but her eyes immediately rest on Effie. And she says, Effie, it's lovely to see you. The last time you graced us with your presence, we ended up going to war. 
I have enjoyed not being at war for a while. I hope you are not bringing ill tidings to my sept again. Affy just sort of smiles, says, I'm here to broker a conversation, nothing else. I don't know what exactly it is that I've brought you. It's more interesting that way, isn't it? She turns to all of you. She says, this is my friend, Esty. Esty has some important information she would like to share with you. I'm here to facilitate you making new contacts. I like to think that what you need from each other would be mutually beneficial, but really, I'm just starting a conversation. Esty, what do you and your friends have to tell the wolves? It's nice to meet you, Ms. Jones? She looks over at Effie, and then she looks back at you and says, well, it's lovely that you were told who you would be meeting. I would have appreciated a similar heads up, but I suppose you don't always get that when a black cloak walks into your sept. Yes, my name is Imogen Jones. You are S.D. Hubble. S.D. Hubble. Interesting name. She takes a very deep breath. It's awkwardly long. And then she lets it out. And her eyes get a little bit narrow, but she lets you continue. We've come today to discuss some recent disappearances that we've noticed and ask for possibly your assistance. What disappearances? I haven't heard of anything. Some friends of ours. We could provide names. Specific individuals and their ties to the possibility of your community becoming involved in the members disappearing. Are you accusing us of something? No, we are informing you of an incoming threat, which is currently affecting our community. Imogen glances back over at Effie, but decides not to say anything and says, and what exactly is your community? Okay, as much as I know we love the the uh, witty bullshit my character is capable of spinning out. I oh, yeah. really don't think we want Neodymium <laughs> having this conversation. Someone else lead. might want to jump in and yeah. be the face. Because <laughs> he will lead with, we need you to commit a terrorist attack. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, oh, we, we don't want you to start a war. We just want you to... Murder some folks for us. Yeah. Make a building not a building anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll jump in here, I guess. Go for it. I represent the Symbiosis Collective. We made some tentative outreach to your group around, oh, a decade ago, I think. We've been having members disappear due to a conspiracy, which we believe is expanding to target any non-humans and is arming otherwise normal humans with very well-disguised weaponry that is particularly effective when aimed at us, although we have, and I reach into my pocket, pull out a holographic data tape recorder thing, and I push play on it, it begins projecting the information we got about the upcoming raid targets, which I'm sure she can't see. Simon is sure she can't see, but Mark isn't thinking all the way through right now. 
she just saw you pull a Walkman. It's legitimately to her. It's like an 80s Walkman. It, it, it has the little foam headset and everything. Out of your pocket and click it. That's what she has seen. And she's reacting appropriately as though that's all she's seen. Ah, I'm going to roll a die real quick to see how observant I am. There is going to be a long, awkward pause while Mark fails to pick up on that. I am going to have to buy some Nightmare to invoke the weird. All right, then. So, Corinthian? (laughs) You're still abducted? I'm going to say the highest banality present is seven. Okie dokie. Let's see if this is my first successful glamour roll. It would be much lower without the tech. Oh, actually, no. I'm going to back up. The highest banality present is six. Because at the end of the day, the VEs aren't that banal to you. Okay, I got two successes. So I call on the weird and force my xenoform into reality for a bit here. Human Mark is replaced with a giant cave bear Mark, incongruently holding a piece of advanced technology that is projecting a holographic image of the city. So normally, and you've, I'm sure, revealed your xenoform to mortals before, and they tend to panic. They have all kinds of terrified reactions to that. Less so for you than with the more explicitly alien, countless, but still full xenoform exposure is jarring for mortals. Imogen really does not bat an eye. She steps back a little bit. It feels more like just preparing to see what happens next, but she isn't phased by what just happened. She is, however, very interested in this holographic projector you now have. My voice is probably a bit different now that I don't have a human mouth. I continue trying to speak. (laughs) We all understand perfectly. Well, we're having a brother bear moment now. Yes. You are having a brother bear moment. She says... I have met many a bear, but I've never met a bear so friendly with Weaver. Although this certainly explains the last uh, minute of whatever it was you were trying to tell me. Let's start over. If you try to talk, she actually seems to understand you quite well. Oh, good. (laughs) This is a map of the city we collected from one of the weapons that we also collected. They're networked. As you can see from the movement of different active elements on the map, there's a projection that they start moving towards where we are now. And we found that concerning based on previous interactions that the Symbiosis Collective and this area have had. And we're significantly more resilient than normal humans. She walks up. She looks at the map. Um, Her eyes very quickly track the movement. It is immediately apparent to you that she understands what she's looking at. She says, may I? It's clear to you she's asking, can she interact with your technology? I assume so. So she will reach out and begin to manipulate the interface that is being projected holographically. Conrad, I will say when you see this, it is very surprising for you because you don't have any particular werewolf lore. You don't know specifics about what different groups of them are capable of. You've just read the big file on Garu, and this does not align with the big file on Garu at all. They are typically 
inept with technology as far as you are aware. Seeing this immediately puts you on edge, if only because dealing with werewolves is intimidating enough. Dealing with werewolves and a bunch of unknowns is concerning. So she interacts with the map. She brings up uh, a ton of the data and she scans through it. And then she looks back at you and says, this is interesting. We've had plenty of things attempt to attack us before. Most of them end up worse. I'm aware. If you want, I'm assuming, members of my pack to help you deal with this. Well, we have two concerns. (laughs) These agents who've been activated don't actually seem to know what they're doing or what they're involved in. They may be innocents. How could a human hurt something as impressive as you? Explain that to me. They're equipped with extremely advanced holographic weaponry in the form of a game. A game? All right, you have my attention. Neodymium is actually much better with technology than I am, and I yield the floor to somebody else to explain how this works, because I sure as hell don't know. She'll turn over and look at you, Neodymium. This brings an interesting question. His holographic display is currently weird. If I attempt to interact with it with any of the programs I have, would they be translated into weird or would I need to call on the weird as well? You would either need to call on the weird or abduct her. This is going to be so messy because he's just going to abduct her. Honestly, it's the far more energy efficient approach. If you abduct her, she can see all of you. In order to facilitate this interaction, please, this does not hurt. She, he puts a patch like on the side of her neck, which in holographic space immediately starts digging tiny little circuitry into her neck. It doesn't do anything in the real world. And in the real world, it's a Band-Aid. You do have to roll your ZPE. Difficulty is only going to be five, actually. Okay, that's doable. Enchantment isn't meant to be hard to do, but you do have to make a roll to pull it off. I succeed, but only just barely. Just the one success. So you (laughs) slap her with this Band-Aid. It transforms into a micro-patch. For everyone else, give me a perception plus etiquette check. Everyone except Neodymium. I did the ethical thing. You did. One success. One. (laughs) Okay. This is kind of binary. This is you either made it or not. One success. So everyone who made a success immediately picked up on the fact that Neodymium acted very quickly. As he was doing that, Effie stepped forward as if she was going to intervene, but she didn't act quickly enough. And as soon as she realized that she wasn't able to act quickly enough, she just sort of backed up. You hear this clicking sound. Her eyes have been open, but you know that clicking sound when like baby dolls that you turn back and forth when their eyes open? There's a clicking sound. You look and her eyes are now impossibly open, starkly wide, and she's just staring perfectly still and unmoving 
shocked, but not a good representation of shocked. When the nanites secrete from the patch into Imogen's blood, she steps back, she seems disoriented for a moment, and then she looks around at all of you, and she reaches up and just claws down her neck, and her hand is starting to change shape and grow fur very quickly, unlike the coyote you met earlier, who transformed just into a coyote, she's getting larger and she looks a little bit like she's panicking. Everyone can take a reaction roll at this point. If you want to take a reaction action before she completes this transformation and does something else, you can do so. The patch allows you to see all of us as we are, as opposed to what my comrade had to do. I... Either an animal can or, like, a diplomacy role to be like, okay, okay, it's okay. It's so, okay. <laughs> um, so I'm actually going to give you a little bit of context on why this might be happening because of your position. The last time the Symbiosis Commission dealt with the Garu, it's because you were looking for hosts. You remember seeing in the file that the Garu really did not care four members of their pack being joined. There was at least one successful joining that resulted in a rather ugly falling out. She's old enough that she could have been here at that time. She likely wouldn't remember anything until she was abducted. I changed my plan and I'm going to get between her and Casey. Anyone else? Reaction actions. Esty's just going to back up several paces. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully Um, over next to Effie. Conrad, I'm going to say that little voice in the back of your mind is whispering at you in a fairly pronounced way. So I'm going to attempt to pick up on surface thoughts and deeper thoughts that would be helpful to break down her emotional state. Give me uh, an Arate roll. This is a first-level mind effect, so the difficulty is only four. It's definitely coincidental. One success. One success. So you can now make an attempt to talk her down. This one is going to be charisma or manipulation plus empathy, and you will get one automatic success because of the Arate roll. Okay. This is actually my highest dice pool for skills, Conrad is actually a very socially apt person. He just has not been on his, like, best over the last several sessions, so. That sounds like a really good way to jinx this role. Uh-huh. I, <laughs> I was just thinking that. So I got, what, what am I shooting for? Difficulty is eight. I mean, she's worked up and kind of panicked, so. Okay, well, I got one success. And then plus the auto success from the Erte roll. So two successes, yeah. Give me a description of how you're going to try and talk her down. Um, well, actually, can you tell me a little bit about what it is that she is frustrated she is or scared about or how she's feeling? Yeah. So she doesn't fully understand what she's afraid of. You can tell immediately that a rush of memories are coming back to her. On one hand, they are very unpleasant memories. On the other hand, it's just the confusion of suddenly remembering things that weren't there a moment ago, which you relate to. You have been through that a number of times in your life for similar reasons. 
those are the things that are really pushing her at this point. You can tell that a lot of her fear and anger is directed at Mark. You can't quite put your finger on exactly what the memories are, mostly because this is first level mind. So most of what you can read right now is emotional. You can make out the outline of what specifically is happening in her mind, but not the actual narrative details. Imogen, it's completely normal to be feeling the way you are feeling right now, but I need you to take a really deep breath and relax because the memories that you are experiencing are going to become very overwhelming if you allow them to, but you are in control. You are the one that's in charge right now. And because of your ability to be in charge, you need to take a step back and know that we are not your enemies, that we are your friends, and that we are here to help you. She takes a very deep breath. She locks eyes with you, and you feel a rush of fear flow over you. You stand stalwart against it. If you were a less enlightened human, you are quite certain you would be running right now. But you are able to hold your ground. You do see her rage give way a little bit. Enough that you're pretty sure she isn't going to attack anyone immediately. She does not transform back into a normal human. She settles into a somewhat larger form. She's animalistic, but she's not that huge hulking beast that you've seen in the stories or, Conrad, you've seen in the actual files. But she is a little bit larger, a little bit more intimidating, and there is a fine pelt of fur all over her body. And her legs have extended at sort of an odd angle. She looks over at you, Mark. She doesn't say anything, but you also can definitely tell that she distrusts you. And she looks back at Neodymium and then says, All right, you have something to show me. What is it? What more can you explain about what is happening here? He's going to walk over to Dova Bear and lace his hands through so that he's interacting with the Walkman and connecting wires between his fingertips and basically slave the projector to his own CPU. And he's going to start playing, from his perspective, you would see them as recordings, a visual recording of his perspective of the first encounter they had, and then probabilities that he would have run after that. So the first one would be a recording of an actual event, and then the next few would be, well, if they're capable of this, then this. At what stage does this start decreasing, like, the changeling population in the area? Because he would have start running those as background probabilities. That's what he's good at. So it's going to start with a very real-to-life display of how bad these things are. And while we won our first encounter, that was against two people who were relatively unsuspecting. It was, like, five. (laughs) Yeah, but three of them ran away. We yeeted one into a ceiling. No, you yeeted all of them into a ceiling. Dova Bear most definitely used scene. (laughs) They didn't run away. Dova Bear just messed them up. And still, they're capable of doing quite a lot of damage individually. I mean, this recording will have them damaging Mark. She watches the entire recording. She looks at all the data that you've shared. 
And, and she then said, it goes into the probabilities, which are far uglier to look at. She's able to follow all of the data that you share. Then she says, do you know who's responsible for this? After a lengthy and serious investigation involving a member of another community, I believe he's going to gesture over to Conrad and refer to him as Corinthian. Corinthian here will be able to explain with far more familiarity, I believe, the individuals who might be involved in this project. They do not appear to be just humans. So she'll turn and look at you, Conrad, and say, you know who is responsible for this. You feel like she already has a suspicion. The main player is a game studio called Avalon Game Studios, who are creating the game around this. I believe the game's name is Hunter's Augment, and they are working out of a facility It has offices that are related to the organizations that I am affiliated with, but I do not believe they are directly connected to one another. Um, It's just unfortunate that they are in the same location. When you say that name, Avalon, she immediately starts to growl. It feels like an involuntary response. You all immediately feel this slight burst of discomfort, like you're not quite sure what she's going to do next. But she listens to the rest of what you have to say. She's about to respond when there's a bit of tussle just off to the side. You look over and there's this really bulky built redhead who's now rushing through the underbrush. He's also dressed to be out here, but his clothing is not as well put together as hers is. Very, like, heavy-duty jeans. They're very clearly dirty. He's got a thick sort of button-up shirt that's clearly meant for the outdoors. And he comes rushing in. He says, Imogen, we can't. We can't just stand by. We have to do something about this. He's worked up. Everyone give me an alertness plus perception check. Zero for Conrad. He is not the most perceptive. Okay. You were focused on that exchange. You didn't notice anything outside of what you were talking about. The rest of you all notice that sort of just off to the side, not too close to exactly where the big burly redhead came rushing in. The coyote was sitting there And he's just sitting off to the side, looking in at this exchange. It's hard to describe a grin on a coyote, but he's got a big grin on his face, sort of like the way a dog grins when it's happy. It's very much from the same direction that that guy came rushing in from. And you all have a suspicion that he may have been involved in this intrusion. This guy comes rushing in saying, we have to do something about this. We have to stop this. We can't just put up with this. They can't come for us like that. They can't attack us. Imogen just turns and says, Finn, that's enough. You need to leave. He halts for a moment and he says, after stealing himself, I'm not going to leave. It's not happening this time. And you all have the sense that something else is going on between the two of them. But 
he might very much be a potential ally here. Do you know what these folks are up to? Finn is going to turn to look at you. When he's about to say something, Imogen just growls at him. He very much isn't willing to leave, but he pauses and doesn't speak over her. She turns back to look at you and says, we've had many interactions with Avalon. They're part of a much larger company. You probably haven't heard of the name. They keep it out of the news. It's called Pentex. They are our sworn enemy, and they produce nothing but terrible things in the world. If they are sending something out here, then they do mean to attack us. They're foolish, and they should know better. Certainly, from what I've seen, there's nothing here that would do any damage to us, and we would be well-advised, she turns and makes direct eye contact with Finn, to consider whether or not this is an actual threat before exposing ourselves. Do you even know what they want? I mean, we haven't heard of them. At this point, Finn will jump in, and he says they want to burn the world to the ground. They want nothing but death for everyone. They're He just kind of, like, chokes up trying to describe the next thing. And Imogen will speak over him and say they want to consume. They want to control. They want dominance. We refuse to give it to them. But I'm not one to act too rashly when attacking them. I've seen too many of my brethren die taking that approach. I've not lived to this ripe old age by being stupid. Why do you think that they are going to be able to attack us. We do still have one of the weapons with us. You could find out if it does anything to you. Neodymium will pull out a small box, which is lead. He will unlatch and open the box and then turn the phone back on. When you turn the phone back on, it goes through a standard boot-up process. You all, because you recognize it now, feel the rush of ZPE. You also feel the rush of uh, anthropic hostility. I will say, Neodymium, because you rolled so well on your system analysis when you were actually in the digital subspace where this thing is represented, you recognize that there are a number of protocols that aren't active on this phone. When you faced those college kids that were summoning holographic weaponry, they were using maybe a tenth of this thing's actual potential. The ZPE inside it is capable of fueling quite a bit more than it was if it's completely unleashed, although the battery wouldn't last very long in that case. You could activate the higher level protocols. You have no idea how safe or unsafe that is. I'm going to go about this only slightly smarter way than actually turning them on. I've been in and out of most of those protocols, so I could at the very least switch what I'm showing her via the Walkman. He's holding the phone in his other hand and making it very clear that he's partially interacting with it. It's like, I interacted heavily with the program that is currently loaded onto this phone. What was demonstrated in the interaction which you saw where we were successful 
in defeating a bunch of unawares children. Only about a tenth of the program was running. It has several, and he switches the display from these statistical models that he was running to sort of showing about as close as you can get to the physical architecture of a program and like how far deep in the active architecture during the fight was and then the rest of the program. And he's going to describe at its current level, it is pulling in fractions of the percent of power that the phone and the program would require to run at its maximum. The idea that it is only threatening to us at, let us guess, 20%. Now let us assume that it runs at 100. He's going to split off, like he's just going to make just what looks like a copy, and then he's going to activate the copy. He lights up the full copy. It wouldn't be hard to show her, like, how much force the holograms they were putting about with the, like fraction of a percent power so it wouldn't be hard to just extrapolate from there he's not going to turn on the actual program because that would just turn this into a giant shit show and that would be us attempting to kill them she'll either trust us or she won't i'm not turning that on she looks at the data output she considers it momentarily and she says i have no reason to think that this is anything more than she looks over at mark a wave of your, whatever this is, whatever you're making me see now. And I remember how that affected us. We survived it. I'm not interested in starting a war. I'm not interested in drawing more attention. You all hear a shifting on the outskirts of the trees. The coyote comes walking in, although he's human again now, leans up against one of the trees and says, hey, old bear, that gizmo, that phone, over there, if they turned it up all the way. Magical game that you're playing. Could it do what you're doing right now? I look at SD and Neodymium. Can it? Could it be here? Like you are? I'll say Neodymium, yes. The higher level protocols would absolutely fully expose holographic xenoform. He's going to say yes. I mean, I just don't really think that that will sway her opinion much because... She's not really trusting data in front of her. Finn is going to start arguing with her again, insisting that something needs to be done. She turns to try and shut him down. Jose, the coyote boy, he's been smarmy to the last up until now. But he turns to her and his tone of voice shifts. And he says, Imogen, we can't survive this. If they can make these things... If they can give these weapons to humans, tromping through those paths, coming close to us, if they can hunt us down the way it looks like they're hunting us down, I'm not sitting here and you know I'm the last one to beat the drums of war. I was hoping this would be a fun diversion. A war. Sounds great on paper. Makes a good joke. It's a great laugh. Even I'm not laughing anymore. I'm not waiting for them to bring it to us. She turns and like, there's this anger in her. She doesn't have control of the situation. But as Jose is talking to her and being surprisingly cool and calm about it from what you've seen from him so far, she relents a little bit and her, her anger subsides. 
she says, clearly you've convinced my pack mates and I'm not the sort of leader who will trample consensus. What do you want us to do about it? What do you need? Casey peeks out from behind Mark and they say a little too chipperly, we are presented with a unique opportunity. There is going to be a protest on Avalon this afternoon. So it's, uh, you know, one of those now or never situations. And we calendar terrorism for you at around 6 p.m., 6.30? Finn, like, he puffs up and he looks back at her and he says, this is our opportunity. I am ready. All of the cubs are ready. All of the warriors are ready. We're not staying here anymore. She looks unhappy when he says the word cubs. It is very clear that she feels the situation spiraling out of control and looks like she's running out of options. I look over at Conrad and I say, I feel like what we need here is a bit more restrained and tactical than war because they're using humans as pawns. Finn will just turn over you and says they always use humans as pawns. They won't stay human for long. And once they change, there's nothing else to be done about it. We need a tactical, precise, and surgical removal of the equipment. So Imogen is going to step in immediately at this point and attempt to put Finn in his place again, at least for a moment. I surprisingly find myself agreeing with all of you. Wonders will never cease. What tactical approach did you have in mind? I believe we want to use the protest as cover, and then you can do your good work with as few as you deem necessary, and we assist. Because you'll need someone to deal with off-site backup copies and redundancies. The internet is strange and confusing, but I know those words. We believe we could handle the tech, but we might not have the not-man power. She'll turn back to you, and she says, that I can be amenable to. We will go in. We will help you. We will get out. Finn starts to make an argument, and she just turns and looks at him. She just makes eye contact and says, you'll come, Wolf. You'll come, and you'll fight. And I know you've been itching for one, but when we are done, you are done. Are we clear? And he backs down, says yes. But we're not staying. We are taking them out, right? She takes a deep breath and says, yes, because if we don't, apparently, eventually they will take us out. Go and prepare. He'll turn around and he'll run off. Jose stands, watches him go, and then looks over, nods at Imogen, and follows after Finn. So you're left again just with Imogen. Casey's like bat ears have been like twitching the whole way, but when they leave, leave. They, like, stay locked in on where they went <laughs> because they're, like, they're not going to surprise us a third time. <laughs> yeah, no, you can hear them going off now that you're actively listening for it. They are going to somewhere else in the forest, presumably, to prepare for 
what's coming. Imogen is going to look back at all of you and say, do you have any information on this Pentex stronghold? Do you know what we're walking into? Or are we blind right now? Yeah, that's actually what I wanted to say before. This office building is filled with other offices of really high importance that can't be harmed and that have people in them that are very dangerous and not necessarily just to the world or other things, but dangerous potentially to you, but only in this situation. You have the floor, Commodore. Corinthian, to what other business do you refer? This information was not shared before the meeting. We are now looking like fools in front of the wolf woman. I'm sorry, I actually thought I had mentioned this. uh, You did not. There's offices of people that I work with and for in this same building. And this is a really dangerous space to enter. I would suggest a very quick targeted strike and then get out. Like this needs to be within a few minutes and no longer or you could be in a lot of danger. You might not have noticed, but we're already in quite a bit. More. More than mortal danger. Yes. Your holographic existence danger. In practical terms... Do you have a floor plan of this building? Conrad, you absolutely have access to the floor plans of all of the public spaces in this building. You have access to all of the mundane schematics. And you have access to the labs that your local amalgam make use of. You do not have detailed schematics of the other high-level tenants but you might be able to get them if you went through the right channels within your convention. I can give you some schematics that cover the basic layout of the building, some of the areas around this particular space, but not the space itself. It's possible I could get you more specific ones, but I don't want to promise you that, but I can look into it. The criteria for success in this matter will require those plans. We will not be able to enter, assess, and destroy this facility in a surgical manner in less than a few minutes with absolutely no information on the floor plan. Imogen will turn to you and say, all of us are going to be sacrificing a great deal to do this. If you can't make promises about the outcome, I expect you to at least make promises as to how much you're willing to invest in getting those plans. The fact that I'm here, that I'm willing to even consider this plan, speaks to my willingness to support this action. I will do everything in my power to assist. When is this protest? I have the text message from Lizzie here. It has some kind of a blue underline thing in it. Does this help you? Can I make just like a quick roll to find out if Imogen has a social media profile of any kind? Yeah, absolutely. You're not going to have a hard time finding this. (laughs) It wouldn't have mattered if I did, because that's a lot of tens and nines. Imogen has 
every social media profile. I mean, all of them. She's you name it. She's receiving invites on all of them to their constituent versions of this event, and he's even found a way to send her an Outlook invite. Well, she's not on any devices at this exact moment in time, but uh, And that's she why will... he's saying that we've sent you all the relevant invites across all the media platforms. It's supposed to start at, and because no event I've ever seen that's that that's put together by a protest group has the same start time on every app, he starts listing them chronologically. 4.30 via Instagram, 5 o'clock via Facebook, or 4.45 via Tinder? Okay. I believe that one is an error. She'll look at all of you and say, all right, well, then I guess we need to prep. Do you need to leave to do any preparation on your part? Or I assume given the timing and that you knew about it, you are ready to move. I deflate out of my war form and back to humans. <laughs> Quick war council of the party. What prep does anyone think they actually need to do aside from, you know, paint some black war paint under their eyes and pull out like a knife? So one thing I will throw out to all of you to consider, the Admiral very explicitly said, what can I do to help you? And he gave you information at the time. Requesting resources from the local countless infrastructure might be in order. I know some of you are rather low on ZP. I'm sure we could submit a few forms and like triplicate for um, localized, very green terrorist intervention. The acquisition form is probably the hinky part because it'll be a little open-ended and we're not actually asking for explosives. Or we could just go to her office and ask. In person? Manually? Could be worse. It could be a phone call. Oh, no, 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 no. No phone calls. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Might as well fax it. Dialing. No, no, Dova Bear. No. No, no, I, I learned how Cease to do this. Cease the telephonic communication. Okay, okay, I, it's ringing. Okay. Phones aren't for that anymore. I think as a group we will be heading back and uh, touching base with the Admiral because we, we can't really ask for weapons-grade glamour over Please mail us assault rifles uh, now. What is Seattle's perspective on uh, obtaining AR-15s in a roughly two-hour time window? Does that come from Amazon? Maybe you so- could download, like, the, the vector cannon and just, like, pop it out every once in a while. <laughs> okay, so you are going to be going back and requesting resources Imogen tells you she'll meet you at the protest. Show up dressed as protesters. She's going to bring a small number of wolves and that troublemaking coyote. And they can provide a distraction for you. And she's fairly certain she can also provide a way into the building. Then you will do the other extraction and burn down everything as you leave. She looks at you, Conrad, and says... Not the building. Just everything from this sector. We scorch this earth if we are doing this. Because I don't need them rebounding and finding us afterwards. With the plan made, we are going to wrap up this intrepid adventure. And we will rejoin our countless crew on the edge of almost certain chaos the next time on 
Hunters Augment. Thank you all for joining us, for listening, and thank you to all of the players for coming along on this wild lycanthropic ride. And I hope that you join us again for the conclusive adventure of Hunters Augment.